Slade, and welcome back to another episode of the Whole Brother Mission podcast. All right, we got a, a spicy <laughs> conversation today derived from a recent viral social media post. So for those that don't know, if you don't have Twitter, I'll just say stay off Twitter because Twitter's a, a wild place, uh, man. And on Twitter, it would appear as though there is a civil war between black women and black men. It, it, it really is just this newfound place that I wish I hadn't discovered, but it has produced some healthy and helpful conversations. Or well, I actually no, the conversations on Twitter are not healthy, but the ideas they bring up, <laughs> you can then take it somewhere else and have a healthy conversation. And that's what I'm hoping to do today. So the most recent viral post that I'm speaking of was one from a, a woman who said that uh, black women are not rehabilitation centers for black men. Black women are not rehabilitation centers for black men. And, and of course, it went viral, got a lot of attention and support from a lot of women and some men, too. But then there was a guy who responded pretty much saying that um, he didn't feel that perspective was was balanced. There's work that needs to go into relationships. And if you have that perspective, then just leave us alone. As black men as a whole, he said, just leave us alone. Uh, so a lot of emotions invested in the conversation, but I do think it's a conversation worth having to hear both sides. So with the whole brother mission being focused on black men specifically, I have two guests today, black men, uh, black fathers and husbands to bring their perspective to this. Uh, and the goal is to have a healthy dialogue about what's realistic versus what's too high of a, a perspective or, or, uh, expectation for people. Where's that balance? but also trying to be considerate uh, of women too. Uh, because oftentimes women may have these conversations in their own silo, but some men may dismiss it. So I'm, I'm choosing purposely to take something that a woman did raise, uh, dignify it, uh, give it additional value and uh, deem it as worthy of discussion because it is. Uh, and then we're gonna balance it out and see where we land. And like I said, that additional perspective of married men is here. So first, I'd like to introduce Aleem Johnson, uh, a, a longtime uh, friend, uh, and he's going to give you a bit of a history uh, about his relational, his relational history, his family makeup, his, just so you understand his background as he comes into this conversation. And then second, I'll introduce to you Brent Folks. But Aleem, you go ahead and take it first. Uh, bring the people in on your background, family-wise. All right. Thanks for having me, Malik. Um, like you said, my name is Aline Johnson. I was born here in the DMV, so I was born in D.C., raised in PG County. Um, just had a typical childhood in some ways. Um, I went to school in in Upper Marlboro pretty much all of my life. And I actually met my, my wife, even though I'm 35 now, I met my wife in high school. We met at the age of I was 16. So we've been together almost 20 years now. So I started off much younger. And so almost, I would say pretty much all of my relationship uh, learning and maturity has happened with my wife. So, because we've been together. So as things have gone on, you know, um, we've been married now for 11, it was 11 years this past November. Congrats. And Thank you. Thank you. So, yeah, um, that's pretty much uh, the history. We, you know, uh, we both started out with uh, neither one of our parents were 
well, both of our parents are divorced and, um, you know, we weren't raised in, they didn't remarry or anything. We weren't raised in households that had uh, marriages to model after or anything. So we had to go outside to find what we needed to help have a healthy marriage. Absolutely. Got it. Appreciate that uh, insight, Aleem. And now Brent, same to you. How did you get to where you are? Where did it start and where is it now? Uh, good evening, everybody. Uh, my name is Brent, folks. And for myself, uh, it's funny because I just have to say ditto to all the comments that Aleem stated, uh, you know, that um, a lot of, you know, his you know, kind of relational background uh, I share. Uh, so uh, my wife and I, uh, her name is Tanil, folks. She, We have been married July. Will, July 2nd will be 11 years. Also, uh, we've been together 14. I met my wife in college. So we did meet in high school, uh, but we met at college, uh, best university in the country, NC State University, go Wolfpack. Uh, and, uh, but we've been together uh, about 14 years. So she has seen my relationship immaturity uh, as well as my relationship maturity. Uh, and so once again, we've been married 11 years, have three beautiful children, uh, have an eight-year-old, a six-year-old, and a seven-month-old. Uh, and so definitely, uh, you know, this marriage, this thing that we call marriage has been a journey. Uh, and just truly excited to you know, go into tonight's uh, topic. Absolutely. I appreciate that. So perfect segue. Brent, you mentioned relational or relationship immaturity. Now, unfortunately, and if I'm wrong, feel free to push back on me. But my, my observation is, uh, as far as men, as far as how we perceive relationships, uh, being ready for a relationship, uh, you're ready when you're ready. <laughs> uh, pretty much <laughs> meaning that there there's not really any vetting, there's not really any training or preparation. You're ready for a relationship when you see a female that you like. That's pretty much it. And we just take it from there. Uh, and most of us, you know, start that process, teens and so on and so forth, and don't really consider what responsibilities are there in relationships or uh, what expectations are there. It's just more so uh, an impulse that leads into other things. Uh, more often than not, we're not reflecting deeply on healthy relationships until much later. Uh, but we start the process pretty early. So. If you could both speak to this, Brent, you can go first. Uh, immature in relationships or immature approaches to relationships, specifically for you, uh, obviously you said that you grew over time, but what did that look like for you? What is immaturity in relationships? Uh, well, immaturity uh, for me started off, uh, you know, as Aleem, uh, you know, alluded to earlier, uh, growing up, uh, both my parents are divorced as well. Uh, and so not really having uh, and I grew up in a single parent household, just my mom. Uh, and so pretty much up until 18, I only got one view, which was my mother, uh, you know, a, a mother, a black woman who still was scorned uh, and, uh, and upset with my father. So, you know, my view, you know, of what relationships look like came from a person who was upset and never dealt with that upsetness. Uh, and so, you know, my mom, you know, really taught me. It, it was funny because my mom didn't like any of my relationships. So mm -hmm. I never got a healthy look because my mom, you know, was, you know, her thought was, you know, I, I'm your one and only. 
so no one else could get that pedestal. So I never was able to first and foremost get what it means to please a woman. Uh, what it means to have a conversation with a woman, what, it, you know, all my conversations came from, uh, you know, what I seen, you know, with friends, you know, which was, you know, be disrespectful, uh, you know, throw pickup lines at the wall and see what sticks, uh, you know, and, um, you know, and, and, and go from there. So my relationship immaturity uh, was kind of getting where you fit in, you know, uh, I'm just a squirrel trying to get a nut. Uh, and, it wasn't until, you know, actually getting, you know, with my now wife where I came with that, 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 that energy early on um, to where, um, and I know we're going to dive into this later where, you know, there's a difference, there's a, a different energy, there's a different feeling, there's a difference of, man, I actually feel better. I'm a better man. I'm a better person. I, I treat people differently um, because of this person. Uh, so uh, my relationship and maturity literally went from man squirrel trying to get a nut i'm not getting married until i'm 70 uh you know to what it is now yeah thank you thank you for sharing that and i appreciate the transparency because unfortunately that that is the case for a lot of us and uh you know what i'm getting too down too far down the road i'm about to start giving my opinion aleem <laughs> immaturity yeah. relationships what does that look like so immature immaturity in immaturity in relationships for for me was um, my parents were actually the opposite. So even though my my parents were divorced young and I stayed with my mother, but my mother was like, I ain't got to deal with him. So I don't care what he do. So my parents had a very actually for the most part, positive relationship, even though my father unfortunately passed um, when I was 12, my parents divorced when I was five. So for the most part, the memories that I have, my parents were already divorced, but they had a healthy um, relationship as far as co-parenting. So I was used to seeing that they both dated and did their own thing. They would never work clearly, never worried about, about any impact on me. <laughs> but um, so my my um, immaturity was just ignorance, you know, more than anything. Uh, it was I was I thought like Brent, but I just didn't have any game. So I I never used pickup lines. I was <laughs> I was you know I was still just like I was also a squirrel trying to get a nut, but I didn't really know how. And then losing my father at a pivotal age, it kind of made it harder to transition, you know, into manhood, trying to speak with women. And I just never really did. Everybody picked me up. Like even my wife today, we, I, we met because she was my sister's best friend. So we were introduced to each other. I didn't go out and find her. Uh, fun fact, I've never met a woman and asked her for a phone number in my life ever. So it just just wasn't my thing. You know, I, I never I never got to it. I never learned it. I thought it was all of these skills or anything. So but because of that, um, I was able to learn just a little bit from uh, other female friends how to kind of, you know, do a relationship, at least in a way that they saw. So at least, you know, high school type level stuff. But that was pretty much it. That's all that I had. OK. Well, first, shout out to the brothers that don't have game. You know, I want you to feel seen. It's it's a thing. It's out there. Um, not everybody <laughs> fits a certain, you know. And so, yeah, I'm glad you figured yeah. that out because not everybody comes into it with, oh, say this or say that. I mean, you got to figure it out as you go. So uh, shout out to y'all. Uh, but <laughs> I, wanted, I wanted to consider the impact. 
So we acknowledge, all right, I might have went into this with a level of immaturity, uh, but oftentimes we don't consider impact until after the damage is done. So I want to help uh, bring others in who may not be considering how their immaturity affects women that they're dealing with uh, for you to give some perspective. And it can be your personal experience or what you come to learn uh, years into marriage. But how could or how has your immaturity affected the women you're dealing with? Uh, Brent, go ahead and take that. Um, well, we'll start here. Um, I believe my the immaturity... Um, as you stated, man, I think was a lasting impact. There are um, women that I, you know, would love to apologize to right now that wouldn't look me in my face at this moment. Um, I, I think the, the the damage is that I um, I potentially uh, stopped, uh, you know, women in the past from, you know, meeting who God would have for them, you know, because I stayed in the way maybe too long. You know, I, I think my my uh, my immaturity um, has potentially uh, damaged. Uh, and and the, the, the crazy thing about maturity, immaturity in relationships, especially with women as we get older that we you know have not had any no contact with is you don't even know how bad the damage was. You know, I you know, I know what happened to me and me finding a woman of my dreams. But man, I, I don't even know the impact that another woman has had. How if that woman has had children, what I may have done that has been potentially, you know, passed down to their child now, the relationship that they're in. Uh, you know, so I think with the immaturity comes this level of in that moment, it's all about me. Everything revolves around me. Uh, and I think that's the part that's scary. That's a scary place to be in uh, because there's no regard for that person then, now, or in the future, uh, which is heavy because you just never know, you know, the you know, what's going on mentally with someone, especially as black people. We don't we don't seek therapy, you know. We got and and I and I love what you're doing and normalizing that that we never get a chance to deal with what's happening. So I potentially have hurt a lot of people and put them in a position to where not only did they not know how to deal with it, but have potentially, um, you know, hurt somebody else because hurt people hurt people. And I, and I added to that equation pretty much. Absolutely, yeah. So Aleem, what does uh, immaturity look like for you and what was the effect on your wife or any previous uh, relationship? Well, um, there really wasn't. <laughs> too many previous relationships, first of all. Um, I didn't have a position to affect anyone in that way. My immature, the only real um, issue we had with immaturity was having sex real early, um, you know, having kids young. So I didn't have a lot of time to be immature. I had kids young and I wanna say it, that grew me up. I mean, I was already in my mind like I felt grown. I kind of already knew what I wanted to do with my life at a young age, or at least I kind of felt like I had a good understanding of the world. So it was more so like you don't know what you don't know. But I mean, I've been working. I'm talking about like since we've been together, like I think when I first met her, I got my first job like shortly thereafter. So I mean, I was just working on always just doing the little stuff. We were only in high school at first. So it just started out okay. Can we, how soon can we call each other? 
we got cell phones and stuff like that. I just really wasn't into the game I, because I couldn't afford to. You know, I didn't have no game. I, didn't, I couldn't afford to be immature or, or anything like that. I, I didn't have nothing to prove. So my goal, you know, back then, you know, I'm younger. The What's going to lead to sex? And usually that's behaving well in a relationship. So, you know, <laughs> it really just wasn't that many. We just personally, we just didn't have that many issues. But also my wife and I, we just um, we connected really well. It was just like we established this bond with each other um early on like this kind of love i know people talk about you know different kinds of ways to express this but i just want you know is it love at first sight like i can still remember what she looked like what she had on and everything the day that i met her you know like to a t like still to this day i still like we still know the date and everything so i wasn't uh i wasn't trying to jeopardize any of that at all but the issues really came because having the children young, like my wife got pregnant the first time while we were in high school. So that changes a lot of things. It doesn't give us, it doesn't give you much opportunity. Well, it didn't give me much opportunity to be immature. I'm like, I got to work. You know, we got to worry about feeding the kid and, you know, they just got to grow up. So I was already mature. The only things that I had to deal with, I mean, I was always into like, I wanted to work. That was the whole point. I found her. I mean, that was like, what else is there? You know, I because of the way that things happened and how we felt about each other. And then we went to separate schools. So I never really um, I never really had anything to prove to anyone, you know, like to guys and stuff like that to do any kind of uh, immature things. So I was always about that, buying the gifts for Valentine's Day and all of that stuff. Yeah, it, it was just, you know, um, the immaturity was the sex, though, honestly. Mm -hmm. I'm Olivia Morgan, intake coordinator here at the Whole Brother Mission. I'm here to pass on a little information about how you can join us in helping men in need seek licensed professional counselors nationwide. Number one, ask. Ask if your employer participates in matching donations. Many employers will match your gift to a nonprofit. We are a 501c3, so all gifts are tax deductible. Number two, pass. Pass this video as well as our website onto others so that they are aware of our services and our need of support. And number three, give. If you're able to, please consider giving. The proceeds remove barriers for men seeing a culturally competent mental health professional and they support our upcoming HBCU book tour. Thank you for your time. Yeah, that's really that was really where what the immaturity was that was the effect in um, our relationship. But we were, we've always, I mean, and even our therapist has said, we've always been like on the same page. Any issues we've had have really been things that can easily be solved that we just have to get, you know, communicated the same way to each other so we both can understand it. But we've always wanted the same thing. We want the same things out of life. We understood each other's sacrifices. So no, it hasn't been perfect, but those, the, the immaturity part of the relationships I really didn't have to deal with. Also, because I mean, my father dealt with it. So I saw, I, so I, I got to see it um, firsthand, you know, from being a kid all the way up. So I had the example of what it's like to play games if necessary or whatever, but I also didn't have, the, I also didn't have the confidence. So I was invested in trying to be a better person for, whoever was going to be in a relationship with me. Mm -hmm. 
If I can jump in, uh, Malik, and just say something really quickly. Aleem, you hit on something really, you know, really big in that uh, part that I, you know, really haven't touched on yet, which is that the sex part, uh, the immaturity that comes with that, uh, you know, because the sex outside of marriage, I remember telling my girlfriend, now wife, if you don't give it to me, I am going to get it. So it's either from you or it's going to be from someone else. I told my girlfriend that pretty much in an effort to get sex whenever I wanted. And I remember when we went through marriage counseling, what broke me down was when she said, Brent, when you put me in a position to where you wanted me to have sex with you when I didn't even want it, you were indirectly raping me. Man, I don't, I don't know the pain that I felt at a marriage counseling session to hear when I have to do something with my body that I didn't want. It didn't matter that you were my boyfriend at the time, you were indirectly raping me. And so I think the immaturity with sex, as men, we don't even realize that we're doing that when we are forcing something upon somebody who may not want it. Even though it, it they're not saying anything, but that comment truly impacted me in a way that I don't, I don't no man should ever, every man needs to fit, hear that. Because I promise you, you'll be a better person uh, whenever you hear the you know the wrong, uh, you know, in some of the things that we do as men. Yeah, uh, thank you for sharing that. You know, I think that's a, a real piece to this discussion. And I was wondering, like, well, I imagine sex is going to come up at some point, just you know, logically speaking. But I was wondering how we would get to it, and uh, I'm glad you mentioned that because where I was headed was a story from from high school. Uh, this was my experience growing up. And over time, I realized, similar to you, Aline, because of the context that I was given for relationships and women, I realized that I think through it differently than the, the average guy. Uh, mm-hmm. In high school, uh, once again, from the same area as Aline, DMV, uh, a lot of the other, I went to a high school that was a, a basketball high school, a lot of uh, NBA players uh, passed through there. Um, and not me, though. I'm, yeah, not me. Uh, but uh, one of the things I remember from high school was uh, it was a game kind of that guys played where it was uh, pretty much if any time any guy demonstrated some level of emotion, care, desire for a, a real relationship, commitment, only sleeping with one female, anything like that that a guy demonstrated, we would say, I, well, I wasn't a part of it, but the saying would go, oh, you saving, you're trying to save her. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was a shame thing, like, no, nah, you're not supposed to do that because the understanding is you're not supposed to expose yourself emotionally with these females. You're not supposed to uh, be monogamous. You're not supposed to actually care. You're just supposed to the understanding is play a role, get sex out of it, and then keep it moving. Be stone-faced, cold about it, don't get too attached. And I, I wondered where did that come from because that wasn't my upbringing. Uh, women weren't looked at as something, to, or relationships weren't looked at as something to protect yourself from, but something that's a benefit that you invest in. Um, and I think 
the impact of kind of looking at women as just kind of objects for sex has had interesting impacts as it relates to how that's played out over the years. So Alima and I have talked about this before, but I I really wonder uh, how far does this go? And uh, I want to hear you guys' thoughts on this. I'm just talking out loud. But I said in a previous video that when you only look at, at, at women for that particular sexual release, uh, of course, it dehumanizes them because you're removing all the other aspects of who they are. But the other thing that I don't think a lot of us straight men are thinking through is this idea of being straight but hating women. Um, mm. Because the approach was don't connect to her on a personal level. It's just physical. So it's like, yeah, we're in a relationship, but I'm going to keep you at arm's length and it's just going to be a physical thing. And what that has morphed into today, I talk about the Twitter wars about relationships. There's constantly this back and forth about uh there's, it's, it's a culture now of, of bashing women. And I know having listened to the, uh, <laughs> the Earth, Wind, and Fire and Isley Brothers verses, <laughs> things have changed. You know, you got these, these delicate love songs being written, and now you got guys on Twitter arguing about not paying for the first date. Uh, I'm the prize as the man, and women need to be humbled. It's just an interesting change of pace, to say the least. Uh, yeah. And I, I wonder, have we created a monster with that mindset of just looking at women from a sexual perspective? Because I do think that what I see now, unfortunately, is a dynamic where guys would actually rather spend time with their homeboys and then when nature calls, go relieve yourself and her and then get back to living your life. So she, come, she becomes more of a, a receptacle than an actual partner and i think we've kind of created that norm for so long by normalizing the idea of only dealing with a person for a sexual purpose um relationships i think have been brought down to the level of of prostitution and who can even measure the impact that has had on women but i know i just said a lot thoughts Anybody? Um, uh, go ahead bro Okay, so um, here's uh, my thoughts on that because, and Malik, you've seen it where, especially the part about um, where men hate women. I think the thing is, is it's not, um, it's not anything new. Just because they used to get married, m women were married off. There, I mean, throughout history, women have never been treated as people, and studies show that even women look at other women as sexual objects. The problem is with society valuing women as people. The reason I was able to, um, you know, even though once I started having relationships, because I only had like two or three girlfriends before I met my wife. Um, but okay, so you had some game. I got a no, no. They found they they came to me too. They came yes, to me too. <laughs> yes, yes. So, but no, the the advantage of not having a game and being nervous, I've started to develop friendships with um, young ladies or, you know, or girls, you know, we were kids then, but, um, and because of that, and I, you know, I didn't handle game, I wasn't talking, I would 
have regular conversations. Plus, I grew up, even though, you know, I grew up with like, I had girl cousins and stuff like that. So it was very normal to have more conversations and what having conversations with women, where I've noticed a lot of men, and I've even seen this in older men, they, you can tell that they never talked to a woman, never talked to a woman, because they'll say things and they'll say, yeah, that's what women like. Yeah. And you'll hear it. And you're like, really? This is this is what you think. But this is much more common because it's just spread down. They'll say a, a man will tell another man, hey, this is what women like. And then they'll just carry it on like that. They forget asking the women or anything. Um, the songs, uh, as far as the verses were concerned, it, it was just, you know, they just made them sound better. They was all still nasty, too. So just because we saying it different now, I don't think that that part has changed, but I do think it has gotten more exposure. And, um, you know, social media has given a lot of things much more exposure. But um, the fact that now, I mean, you could see it as like, well, back in the day, what would happen? You know, instead of uh, just running back and forth to the women and not doing anything, what would happen? You, they you'd be married, but your granddaddy might have a family across town or something like that. You know, this that's what I mean. The stuff isn't new, just social media and the way that society has moved allows us to do things slightly differently. They're like, oh, I don't have to get married to do this. You know, I can just go ahead and do all of these things. And so what ends up happening, a lot of men have pride and uh, they actually look up to their peers. They have a lot to prove. And so a lot of that has to do with the false, the falsehoods that they hear about women. So sometimes it's just something to prove. Other times it's like, okay, well, I've heard that. So that's just what it is. Some people may see it as them being soft and that's not the kind of person that they want to be, or they've been um, a lot of things that Malik, I know that um, you may touch on it slightly, but we don't talk about a lot how, how many men get uh, molested as kids. You know, it's a it's a and they get molested by women. You know, it ha- it you know, these things happen. So there's so many uh, there's so many different angles that I think sometimes we may miss out on. And it only shows itself in how they respond with these relationships and just going out and doing all of these crazy things. You know, you have to say, OK, there must be something within that history to say, OK, why would what would make a person choose? to do something so reckless, you know? I mean, I mean, we see it all the time. We see celebrities, just because you get money and even though you learn, they may still, you know, they're going off and having kids and STDs and everything. And you're, you would think at a certain level that that stuff would change, but it doesn't. It's about the programming and what they, you know, what they see, but it's all a choice. You know, we peer, I'm, I'm still adjusting to being an adult and understanding that adults succumb to peer pressure. You know, I really didn't understand how deep it was because, you know, in school, they always told us you didn't want to, um, you didn't want to do that. You didn't want to succumb to peer pressure, but that's just how a lot of it is. Like literally all they may say, Oh, you want to be with your girl. Okay. Some that that's it. Somebody saying something and raising their voice that makes you change your mind. Mm-hmm. But this is, I mean, but this, but, what else do you do when in in reality, because of the relationship that maybe people have built, that they value what someone says, but they don't know how to say it in a way that's um, healthy or conducive 
So they don't just go along with it. Like, all right, well, no, of course they'll dog her out or, you know, or do whatever. Also, too many uh, men see themselves as higher, more, more important than they really are. Uh, the vast majority. And so it creates a superiority complex that a lot of them feel like women aren't even on their level, like mentally or anything. And that's just how that's how they see women. And considering I've never seen women like that, I don't know how to explain that. But it's just really interesting to see still in this day and age, which is why sexual harassment is so prevalent and stuff. They can't understand. Why can't I say this to them? Why can't I look at them watching? You know, like all of that. I don't I don't know how you could go all that time, maybe have mother, sister, wife, kids, whatever. And they're still men. They just don't value women. Yeah, my, my brother. A couple of things. One, I'll, I'll bring it right to you, Brent. But one thing I just cool. wanted to, to throw out there is you hit on a lot of things, and we don't even have the time, man. But <laughs> uh, in terms of the, the the music specifically, I, I know that music has been uh, nasty <laughs> for a while. So it's it's not even that. It's it's I, what I was getting at is um, it has become normal to talk crap about women. Like there used to be this thing of I want to put my best foot forward so that they look at me a certain way. But now that's out the window, too. And it's like you can lead with talking down on women and that still will draw them. And that's an unfortunate impact, too. So I'm saying that that unfortunately that has changed. And I and I I wonder if this kind of negative view, because I think. We've seen it as not a negative because, well, of course, I like to have sex with women. So, of course, I like women. But when you get outside of sex and you consider all these other categories, you begin to see, oh, you just like you you want a slave or uh, a helper. <laughs> like and not even in the biblical sense, but just do this when I tell you to do it. When, when people start to talk about what they want. And I wonder what has caused that. I would argue some of it is in the music and in hip hop culture. Um, I'd say some guys have learned from their alcoholic uncle about, yeah, this is how these women, act. you know, that's where they learn from some, a guy that has dysfunctional thinking, but also you hit on the uh, childhood sexual abuse thing. That I think is one that doesn't get talked about enough that a lot of, I know personally, young black boys are taken advantage of by grown black women and that is their first introduction to sex and we can i can't get into this here but from a psychological perspective the impact is is crazy as far as how he then views women long term Mm. and i would from a very simple perspective i would say if women are your abuser if a woman was your abuser you still go through life as a straight male but how you interact with them uh, definitely leans more toward uh, projecting that abuse that you receive. Uh, so it affects your your view of women tremendously. It's not a badge of honor. I think it, it takes away more so. But Brent, go ahead. Yeah, what I was going to say is my brother Aline was, was very professional. I'm going to get slightly ratchet for a second because, right. before I come to the professional. <laughs> uh, I think, in, you know, as we grew up, everyone in an, everyone where you grew up at, in your community, in your uh, you know, whether you're from the hood, whether you're from the projects, whether you're from the country, there was always a neighborhood freak. And everyone knew who the neighborhood freak was. 
you know, and uh, and so when it came down as a man or as a boy, as an adolescent, uh, it was, you know, why would I put in the work where there are this neighborhood freak or that neighborhood freak that's going to do it without me putting in any work? And so what happens is there's this sad reality that, you know, that t- that definitely messed me up when I was growing up, which became this reality of, man, the uh, women want sex just as much as I do. And, you know, and for me, they want not only does, does a woman want sex just as much as I do, but it's it's me and four of my friends and it's one of her. And this person wants all five of us, you know, which at that time it's a badge of honor. It's a conversation. Literally, I would do immature things in the past just so I could have a story to tell friends. Yeah. Right. And so, as you said, Malik, it put me in a position to where women were. Uh, you know, women for me were pretty much comic books. It was something that I could uh, store, that I could store ways that I could read later, that I could tell somebody later. Uh, and so, and and not realizing that, man, I'm going through life with this thought that when women want sex just as much as I do, so they're not tripping on me asking, you know, not putting work in, but I'm not realizing what trauma that girl has been through, right? Uh, I think, you know, having a daughter uh, you know, now I got to had two sons first, but having a daughter puts everything in perspective as a dad, because you think about everything now. And now it's like, man, everything that I've done to females in the past and I want to smack any boy that looks at my daughter and potentially wants yeah. to try this. You know, I think we just like you said, when we look at women, we see this receptacle, but we don't look at that woman as man. This is somebody's daughter. This is somebody's mother. This is somebody's sister. This is somebody's, you know, person that, you know, that they pray with, you know, and and so that's the, you know, that's, that's the immaturity as men that we do sometimes. Yeah, definitely. And I hate that it, that it's been that way, but my hope is that we can just inspire a generation of, of guys that have a newfound perspective on masculinity. This isn't, uh, you know, being not forthcoming about the reality of, sex drive and the desire for sex and all that. I don't, I'm not, I don't think that's the bad thing. The bad thing is the compromises we're willing to make to get sex. Uh, so it's mm-hmm. like, um, like I don't even want to get too far into this, but there's a popular YouTube personality who, um, is getting a lot of traction of following from black men. And, uh, a lot of what he talks about, paints women as more so a uh, a resource to be used rather than a human partner to invest in. Uh, but a lot of guys are supporting it. And I think they're supporting the content because it kind of is critical of women. But there are several guys who have had negative experiences with women that they haven't yet resolved. So they then like seeing somebody else hold the women accountable for the personal issues they have. And I'm all for accountability, but there's a a better way to go about it. So I I do want to always try to teach uh, in having these conversations so that other people don't make the same mistakes. So we can close with this. Uh, You're obviously speaking to the public, uh, but both of you uh, are into your marriages a different amount of years, but who you are now, uh, take a moment to speak to your teenage self, 
you're speaking to your teenage self, but also other younger guys listening, uh, give them some guidance on how to deal with women in that phase of life to not uh, repeat some negative cycles. Aleem, you can take it first. Okay, well, um, I can speak. I don't, I don't know about the speaking to myself part, but uh, looking back, I mean, everything requires uh, growth. It required growth. So, I mean, I would say to continue um, on what you're doing, maybe uh, slow down on having kids, but <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's a good point. You know, just yeah. then a one thing, yeah, that um, have kids later in life when you're established and, you know, because that having kids is its own strain on a relationship. You know, having kids is, is not an easy thing. You know, a lot of people, I've seen relationships die because of the two people having children. I've seen perfect relationships completely die once they had a child. Um, I was fortunate to not go through that, but I'm going to say that for the mo for the most part, any uh, any young man that's probably that's looking for a way or just you know trying to um, treat women better and just trying to live their normal life and you know which I understand includes a sex drive and all of these things, right, is to remember that women are people. I think starting there, I think that's the starting point. Like, we have to start there, bare bones. Women are people. Treat women like people. Because then, I, because I think one of the biggest misadvantages that men have is, is since they don't see women as people, they have much, uh, there's a much less chance of them having female friends outside of family meaning they don't get to talk to any other women so they don't really get much perspective because they only see women a certain way so it it truly limits how much a man can connect with another woman if you know you're not conversing with anyone throughout your you know throughout most of your life if you're only seeing them as this vessel to only have sex with so starting out with treating women as people and then dealing with past hurts you know i I, I still can't believe that I could say this, that I've met grown men that said, yeah, they were hurt in high school and they've been mm -hmm. on the road Seven ever since. Ever and since. It's, yep. and mm -hmm. it's 20 years later, 30 years later, you know, they, so I don't ignore the emotions, you know, men have, we all, we're people, we're human. We all have emotions. You know, most men just think it's manly to, uh, stuff it in but that doesn't mean you don't have the emotion so work on it and you know i've had lots of therapy those that need therapy i wholeheartedly suggest it therapy reading books it's just you know things take time there's no way that someone can just give you this quick shortcut or even in this single podcast to help it takes work so but it's so much better on the other side like usually these people end up miserable you know, doing all of these things, you you know, a lot of the times you're not happy. You know, there's only certain people that can really, if you don't deal with your stuff, how can you really be happy with anyone else if you're not even happy with yourself? So just continue to view women as people, work on yourself, seek therapy, and treat women like people instead of sexual objects and you'll have an easier time even in relationships got it well said 
Uh, Brent, what you got? Um, I I'm a huge fan of Tony Evans, uh, and uh, Tony Evans he said something, man, that um, that really changed my perspective. And um, if I was a child or a, a a boy or a teenager or somebody coming into adulthood, uh, you know, starting with this is huge. Tony Evans says, you know, uh, you know, hey, when you're a when you're a better man, uh, you know, better men raise better families, better families create better communities, better communities create better cities, better cities create better states, better states create better countries, better countries create a better world. But in order to be a better world, we got to have better countries. In order to have better countries, we got to have better uh, no states. In order to have better states, we got to have better cities. In order to have better cities, we've got to have better communities. In order to have better communities, we've got to have better families. And in order to have a better family, we've got to have a better man. It all starts with us. So every answer starts with one individual, and that's us as a man, that we have to be better. We have to be accountable. We have to understand that to our actions, there's collateral damage, uh, that 15 minutes uh, for some men, five minutes, and for some other men, one minute uh, of pleasure can literally lead to years of pain, strife, and frustration. Uh, and so, number one, knowing that in order for us to have a better world, when it all boils down, it really boils down to men being better, period. Secondly, um, that we're never going to have enough money. You know, I talk to guys all the time that say, man, I want to get married, man. I, I think this is the one, but man, I just don't have the funds. And I tell, and I ask, and I say, well, great. How much money do you need to get married? They would say, well, I don't know. I'm like, well, how do you know you don't have enough if you don't even know what it takes? Uh, you know, and I tell people all the time, I got married for $80. That was $60 for the marriage license, 20 to the clerk of court. So you're never going to have enough money. So make the decision anyway, because being a better man means making a decision to be accountable uh, and, you know, and, and grabbing someone that you, you know, that you feel is going to make you a better person that you want to do life with. Uh, and then number three, as Aleem said, um, you know, our, our women, you know, are so crucial to our everyday aspect, you know, and just to know that um, we have, you know, we have this opportunity to be a better world, to be a better nation. And the first step to being a better nation is to treat someone that looks like you with respect. Uh, and so when it all boils down, treat people with respect, treat your treat women with respect, with respect, all colors, all nations, all creeds, uh, because when you do that, good things happen. Uh, and, uh, and so I would keep it short, simple, uh, and just like that. Definitely. I appreciate you both for your contributions. I think it's been a helpful conversation. Uh, I'll throw my two cents in. Uh, I know, once again, this always steps on toes, but I think it needs to be said. Honestly, in my assessment, just seeing the impact of a spotted relational history on individuals, families, and what that turns into, repeating the cycle, kind of how you mentioned, Brent, I'm of the persuasion. Now, I'm not saying this is everybody, but I think a helpful rule of thumb is to kind of flip on its head how we view dating in those earlier years. I would just recommend holding off. That's me. 
But I think that would save people a lot of heartache and damage for additional people because I've yet to see, and I'm talking about sex specifically, I've yet to see someone say, you know, I'm really glad I started having sex at 14. It, it, you know, it was a great experience. It's made me really whole and I just think highly of myself and now it's made me a great, I've yet to see it have that result. It typically has the opposite effect. So I think it would be helpful to reconsider the whole dating sex thing that early. Uh, lastly, because it's creating a unrealistic dynamic for relationships. That phase that you're in as a 15 year old is never going to happen again. No romantic relationship is going to be sustained in a space where you have high level of freedom and low level of responsibility as a 15 year old. That's never going to happen again. It's going to just come with more responsibility later, more requirements. Uh, so you're kind of building relationships in this fictitious environment that's never going to exist again as you continue to get older. Once you're an adult, <laughs> you stay an adult the rest of your life. So that's my thoughts on it, but everybody has their own approach to that. But once again, thank you guys for joining me. I'm Malik Blade, and this has been another episode of the Whole Brother Mission Podcast.